Okay, guys. So Steve isn't with us tonight because I am, well, he's on a bear hunt for a Kodiak grizzly bear. So hopefully he gets one. Then I'll have a bear rug in my house. Yay. Just kidding. How is everyone tonight? Super. Well, I have a fun video to show you to start off my message. Can you play it, Ashley? Okay, bear with me. It's funny. Did it not work? It, it just stopped. Shucks. Oh, okay. That's bed sheets. Today. And when she was questioned about it, she pushed her way into the bathroom, and she's now holding out in the shower, where she continues to stare at the wall, which only makes her look guiltier. What did you do, Berlin? Did you chew up that sheet on the bed? she's praying. Alright, that's that good. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much funny. <laughs> my dog does some things like that sometimes when he's naughty, like eating my plants, which he did today, all of my herbs. But, so, oftentimes when we do something wrong, we go into hiding, right? Like one time, I think I've told this story, but this was a long time ago, so most of you probably haven't heard it. So if you have heard it, you're welcome. You get to hear it again. But so I was five years old, and there was this, like, screened-in porch on the second level of the house that I was living in. And I decided that I was going to climb out one of the windows onto, like, a ledge that was, like, this that wide. So not safe, five-year-old Erin. And I have a twin sister, and she was with me, and I was trying to get her to climb out onto the ledge and then around the corner to the main part of the roof. So what it was like I was there for like two seconds. It was fine. And so anyway, I'm out on the main roof, and she's like, I'm like, come and join me, Deb. And she decided that she was going to lock me out there. <laughs> and then she's like making faces, and I was like, okay, funny joke, come on out. And then she walks away, and I was like, oh, no. And so she goes to my dad, and she goes, Hi, Dad, want to see something that's funny but not so funny? Five-year-old. And so I knew what she was going to do. So I proceed to, like, lay as flat as I can, like a pancake, and hope that my dad couldn't see me, which I'm in the middle of a roof. Of course he's going to see me. But anyway, I was in huge trouble and then, yeah, instructed to never walk out on there, and I thought I was fine, but it's all right. So sometimes we go into hiding, right, when we were, like, going to get caught by something. We know what we did wasn't right, and we're like, I, if I'm found out about this, I don't know what will happen, so I'm going to hide. Who has ever been there before? But I, tonight we're going to talk about that, and I would, like, I would argue that hiding, there's something deeply spiritual about it. And, like, while it may be funny and, like, this dog is hiding because he tore up his owner's sheets or I was hiding as a five-year-old, there's something deeply spiritual that happens when we hide. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 3. And I'm just going to summarize the first six verses, and then we're going to go verse by verse. 
Because I think it's really cool when you're able to do that. And this, like, passage of scripture is incredibly rich. And it's there's probably a dozen messages that you could preach out of it. But we're only going to do one tonight. Um, so the first part of this passage is, well, like, God created the heavens and the earth. And he created Adam and Eve. And he put them in this garden. This is, like, a precursor to my summary. And he put them in this garden, and he put all of these incredible trees with fruit on them all around. And he told them, hey, you can eat of every single tree in this garden except for one, and it's called a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the only one that you can not eat from, but you can eat from everything else. Sweet deal, right? I love fresh fruit. That's an awesome deal. But the devil comes in in the form of a serpent, and he tempts Eve and says, God told you that you couldn't eat from any tree. Did you know that? And he, like, this is just, like, a side note. When the devil tempts us, like, he doesn't play new games very often, so we can start learning his games and understand that, okay, this is, like, a temptation from the devil. This isn't right. Because he's kind of old news. He tempts us in the same ways oftentimes, right? So he, what he did here, and he does often, is he twisted what God had commanded and made it something bad. Because God commanded, you can eat from every tree in this garden except for one. And the devil said, God told you you can't eat from any tree. Not every tree. That's not a good deal. He, like, looked at it half-less-empty mentality. And he made Eve, like, wait a second, really? You're right, that's not a good, like, why can't I eat from that one tree? What kind of God is this that he would put this tree in the garden and wouldn't let me eat from it? That's not fair. How many times have we asked that? So that's just a side note. So anyway, he tempts Eve, and then Eve eventually falls in, and she eats the fruit, and that's where we begin. Adam and Eve both eat the, ate the fruit and disobeyed God, his, like, one command for them of something not to do, and they disobeyed. And we pick it up in verse 7, and it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. You're probably thinking, what? Why were they naked? <laughs> but so Psalms 104.2 and Matthew 17.2 suggest that, um, this is kind of interesting when I was studying this, they suggest that Adam and Eve were actually clothed in righteousness and in light. And we can't really imagine what that looks like because we've never really seen that. But when they sinned, their eyes were opened and they realized, like, their shame was exposed. Like, they saw each other in a different way. Like, your their whole perspective of the world was tainted now because their eyes were open to something that they weren't supposed to be open to. And so they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And then I think it's really interesting that they right away tried to cover it up, right? They like grabbed some fig leaves <laughs> and sewed them together and was like, this will work. And then they, they made coverings from themselves, for themselves. Um, how often do we do that in our life? Where we, we mess up and we make like a covering for ourselves of some sort. A lot of times it's like good works. Maybe not fig leaves because that's a little strange. But we, we cover ourselves with good works. Like, oh, I did something so bad. Like, I cheated on my test. I have to go do something good for somebody else to make myself feel better. But the Bible is really clear that good works don't bring us to heaven. It actually says in, oh golly, I just had a mind blank. In Galatians, Paul writes to the church of Galatia, and he says that if we were 
this is a summary, but if we were able to get to heaven by good works, then Christ died for nothing. He didn't need to die because we could just work our way. That's not true. And so we can't cover our shame with good works, even though we try to. We, we're not humanly able to cover up our sin. And that's actually good news. And we'll get to that. But the fact is that sin always separates us from God. And that's what happened in the Bible. And that's what happened in Genesis. Their eyes were open and they saw that they were separate from God. And they're ashamed. Now, verse 8 and 9, it says that, And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Of the day. How incredible is that? Anyway. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We're going to stop right there. I know there's a little bit more. I just want to make a, like, a small point that really stuck out to me when I was studying this. They hid from God. Like they covered themselves up with fig leaves before God was even in the garden. And so sometimes as Christians, we think that God heaps shame onto us. But the fact is that they felt shame before God was with them in the garden. Think about that. They felt shame before God was walking in the garden. God doesn't bring shame. Our sin does. And sometimes we put that on God because we feel bad being in his presence because of our sin. And we say it's his fault. But it's not. It's sin that brings shame. Or how have you ever been with somebody that's like, really obedient to God in an area of your of their life that you are not and you feel really judged by them but they never did anything judgmental they just lived right that's kind of we we put we put that on them that they're shaming us but in fact it's our sin that's shaming us God does not bring shame and if you hear something different somebody tells you diff something different or your thoughts tell you something different it's not right there's no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. God doesn't bring shame. Sin does. So it says later that um, then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? See, Adam and Eve, even though they tried to cover themselves up and they sewed these little fig leaves, they knew deep down that it was inadequate. Something wasn't right. They couldn't, it wasn't fully covering what they needed it to cover, their, their shame. In John 14, 6, it says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. He called himself the truth. And the word truth in that passage actually means aletheia, or is uh, the Greek word aletheia. And it means not closed, not concealed, full disclosure, truth. So the essence of who Jesus Christ is, is he's fully disclosed himself to us. He's not closed off to us. He's not concealed. He's truth. That's incredible, you guys, that we have a God that wouldn't hide areas of himself to us. He wouldn't hide his character to us. That's incredible. And we can rejoice in that. And because we're made in God's image, we have that in ourselves of needing to be living in truth. Like deep into our character is this need to live in truth. And that's why we go into hiding. Because something in us is like, I can't fully disclose myself because there's this icky part of my life. So 
so I have to hide. Does that make sense? In John 8, 32, it says, Then you will know the truth, Aletheia, and the truth will set you free. Truth is not supposed to make us hide. It's supposed to make us free. And when we misunderstand that, we hide. And that's the exact opposite of what truth is. There's freedom in being fully known by God. There's freedom in being fully known by God. We don't have to go into hiding. And there's freedom in being fully known by other people. And I want to, like, look back really quick to verse 7. Adam and Eve, they first, like, okay, they're married, right? So they know each other pretty well. But when they sinned, they, they cover, like, why would you need to cover yourself up? You already know each other, right? You're married. They were ashamed to be seen in front of each other. And that's what happens in our lives when we sin. We cover ourselves up from community. We hide that from community, even if our community knows us really well, because we're ashamed of it. Adam and Eve did that. And then when God walked with them in the garden, they hid themselves completely. So when we feel shame, when we feel um, truth expose things in our life, our tendency is to hate it, and so we hide from community and we hide from God. But we're not made to live in isolation. We're made in the image of God, and we're made to be fully revealed and fully fully not concealed in full disclosure with each other, right? In full disclosure with God. When we're in isolation, we're like super easy to be attacked. And God called, where are you? I love that. I love that. Where are you? He didn't just, okay, he's God, right? <laughs> he knew where they were. You have to admit, you have to believe that, right? So he could have just like found the little tree or the bush that they're hiding around, busted it open and said, what were you doing? I gave you one command and you broke it. What is wrong with you? But what did he do? He called to them, where are you? He wanted to fellowship with them. It said that he was walking in the cool of the day. Like, I just imagine, like, this is a routine. God, like, always comes in the afternoon to walk with his people in the garden. And all of a sudden he shows up and they're hiding. And he doesn't get mad. He just calls, where are you? God doesn't force himself on us. But he's gentle and he desires fellowship. And also, God didn't hide from Adam and Eve, and he could have. He could have said, dude, I gave you everything. I gave you all of these trees except for one. You broke my command. I don't want to be with you anymore. You hurt me. I am hiding. God doesn't hide from us. And But how often do we feel like when we sin, God must not want to be around me anymore. I don't even think I can pray anymore. He, he must hate me. He must hate the sight of me. God doesn't hide from us. We hide from him. Verse 10 says that, So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. This is Adam speaking. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, 
Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat from? God gave Adam a chance to confess his sin. He could have just called them out when Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God would have been like, yeah, I told you so. I told you not to eat from that tree. Sometimes that's the narrative that we give God, right? I told you so. I'm so impatient with you. Well, that's not God. He gave Adam a chance to, to confess his sin and say, you know what? God, I disobeyed you. You gave me this command, and I didn't, I didn't do this, and now I, I'm, a, I'm ashamed of myself. Will you forgive me? But what did Adam do? <laughs> he said, then the man said, or then the man said, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. So some girls were like, oh, snap. So God always gives us time to confess. But oftentimes when we have that time to confess, what do we do? We first hide from our sin, so that's really cool. And then when we're caught in it, eventually, because, like, it's pretty true that our sin will find us out eventually, we shift blame. And it's not that he shift blame on Eve. I think it's actually worse. Listen to this. The woman whom you gave me, gave this to me. He just blamed God. God gave him this incredible gift so he didn't have to be alone and lonely. Gave them this partner in the garden to steward the garden, to care for it with, and he just blamed God for giving her to him. Ouch. That's scary. But how often do we do that? where we shift blame onto something else, and we even shift it back onto God. Well, God, you called me into this. You called me to go and do this major, and it is so hard, and you're not here to sustain me. So because I'm stressed out, I'm falling into sin. Now it's your fault because you called me here. Or you, you brought people into my life, and they're leading me astray, and it's your fault for bringing them into my life. How often do we do that? It's not God's fault. But he's given you an opportunity to confess, and will you take it? And I don't want to just talk about this in, like, this heavy, heavy tone, because there's something that we can rejoice about at the end of this passage. And I know that this is heavy, but there's something beautiful that I want to spend a quite a, a little bit of time on. And it's later on, and I didn't write the verse that's on here, but I have it on the screen. Later on in this passage, it says that also for Adam his and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. So they tried to clothe themselves, and it didn't work. And when we try to clothe ourselves, it doesn't work. But God in his graciousness, even though they messed up, and they didn't even take the opportunity to confess their sins until God said, this is the consequences. He, in his graciousness, sacrificed an animal for them and used the skin to create clothes. One of, he sacrificed his creation, something that he loved and cared for and sent them to care for so that they could be clothed again. 
And while this is very true and real, it's also symbolic. And if you've never read the Old Testament before, because maybe it's a little weird or there's some hard to understand things and there's some really cultural things, I really encourage you to read it because it's full of symbolism for the future. And this is a symbol of something to come. That God, what, like the, a sacrifice from another clothed Adam and Eve. This was a sign of forgiveness and salvation to come. That a sacrifice from another, Jesus Christ, could close us again. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus wants to clothe us again in righteousness, not in the skin of an animal for a temporary clothing, but he wants to clothe us in righteousness. Through the sacrifice of Jesus alone, we can be clothed in righteousness. We no longer have to live in hiding and blame shifting. We don't have to live in shame, but we can openly repent, which means turning from your ways to have a change of heart and accept the clothing of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? And I, I want to touch on this really quick. So it's not, guilt is not a bad thing in some senses. And I think a lot of times, because we know that salvation removes the guilt of our sin, we think that the guilt is the problem. Because, oh, that's why Jesus came, was to get this icky feeling away from me. No, he came to save you from your sin, which causes guilt. So I want to challenge us to start not hating guilt and doing everything we can to get rid of it, but using it as an identifier in our life. If I'm suddenly heaped in shame and guilt, something's off, something's wrong. In Psalms, it says, David says, search my heart, O God, find if there's any hurtful way in me. We have an opportunity to ask God, why am I feeling this shame? Why am I feeling this guilt? Instead of hiding immediately without even thinking about it. When we just try to get rid of the guilt and the shame, we actually shortchange ourselves. And oftentimes we slip into works rather than God's grace. And we put on good works in our life, and our immediate thing is, oh, I just got to get rid of this feeling. Or I know that the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, so I don't feel bad about this anymore. I'm just going to push that feeling away. I'm good to go. I'm a Christian. And we continue in in the sin that's causing guilt and shame. But that's not what God has for us. He's here to save us from the sin, not just the guilt and shame. Oftentimes we use other coping mechanisms to get rid of this guilt. We use like drugs or alcohol or even binge watching TV shows or spending an obscene amount of time with people so we don't have to think about it anymore. And we cloak it and we try to cover ourselves with little tiny nasty fig leaves that's not going to cover the shame, but it'll temporarily cover it up so we maybe don't see it. And heavens knows nobody in our life will see it if we cover that up. But in the end of everything, it's not going to work. And God has something so much better to offer us. Instead of using covering to cope with our guilt, God wants to remove it completely. And that's something that repentance does. And the process of repentance is very, very important. 
The process of repentance is you have to feel guilt. Because if you didn't feel guilt, could you imagine a life where you didn't feel guilt? I mean, not in the, it's not a, a good thing that we should joy in, but if we didn't feel remorse for making a mistake, we wouldn't learn from anything. And so guilt, if we, that's an important part of repentance. And we don't want to become numb to that and push it away so long that we can't actually feel conviction from the Holy Spirit anymore. So we first feel guilt, and then we apologize for our sin. We repent from our sin. And then we hate the sin, not ourselves and not God and not other people. We hate sin because God hates sin. He doesn't hate us. He hates sin because it separates us from him. And then we accept, or no, then we have a, ch a change of heart. We turn from our sin, which is very important. If you just do the first few steps, you can't actually accept God's sacrifice. And then finally, we can accept the sacrifice of our sins, which is Jesus Christ. And we are clothed in righteousness. And then when shame and guilt come knocking and the devil tries to remind us of our past, we can just know not in my house, <laughs> not today. I don't have to feel that way because I know that I've turned from my sin and I am clothed in righteousness. But if we don't follow through with repentance, if we don't completely change, and that's a process sometimes. This isn't like an overnight thing. I get that. Then we, we can't fully accept and be clothed in God's righteousness in that area of our lives. God has an incredible work to do with us. And sometimes we miss out on that because our perspective is off. If I could have Olivia come up to the keyboard again. And we try, try to cover things up, and we don't think things through sometimes. I've noticed that in my life. I don't think things through. I just react. Like, I don't feel real good about this. I'm going to do something to, to cover it up right away. I don't even think it through. But God gave you a brain for a reason, and he delights in us thinking through things through. I really believe that. And tonight I have three questions, and we're going to um, close in kind of an introspective way. I hope that's okay. Um, the first question is, I really want us to ask ourselves tonight, in what areas of my life am I hiding from God in? In what areas of my life am I hiding from God in? In what areas of my life am I hiding from community in? And that can be one and the same. The second question is, have I tried to clothe myself to remove guilt and shame? Or how have I tried to clothe myself to remove guilt and shame? Has it been through addiction? Has it been through good works? Has it been trying to accept forgiveness without true repentance? How have I tried to clothe myself? God wants to clothe you, not yourself. The third question is, how have I viewed God when I sin? Have I viewed him as angry, heaping shame on me? Or have I viewed him as calling to me in the garden? Where are you? Where have you gone? And if you've never, um, if this is maybe a new thing to you, 
if you've never fully even accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to give an, an opportunity for that tonight. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would like to do that like initial accepting of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to clothe you in righteousness, if you've been maybe hiding from that, if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Why don't we all pray together out loud? God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. I accept that sacrifice and I turn from my sin. And I praise you for clothing me in righteousness. I'm just going to give a little time for you guys to think about those three questions. What are you hiding? Or in what ways are you hiding from God or community? How have you tried to clothe yourself? And how do you view God? And then why don't you guys, as you're thinking about that, um, we'll have some of our staff in the back to pray for you, but just find your small group or find your small group leader. If you don't have one, um, we would love to pray for you. Uh, Quinton's in the back and I'll be in the back. Um, we'd love to pray for you. But if you, if you have an area or a, uh, something that God's maybe revealed to you that pertains to those questions, I encourage you. Um, something powerful happens when we share with somebody else. In James, it says that um, when we confess our sins to one another, we will be healed. And God wants to do some healing in our lives tonight. I really believe that. And so I encourage you, as, as Olivia's playing, just find your small group, find one of us, and we would love to pray for you in, in whatever way we can.